sorry I'm late. I put my Wegmans Wonder Water in the freezer again, and then I left it in there too long, and it was plugged with ice, so I did have to put it in the microwave. <laughs> That's really, really upsetting. It's fine. It's actually Sorry great to hear now. that for you. Yeah, it is it is a little bit... Uh, does sort of make that mm. noise, but... Like a rattle. Mm-hmm. I can drink it, so Cute. that's all that matters. I got my haircut. You want to see? Oh, yeah. Okay. Ooh. Love it. Love it. Perfect. 10 out of 10. What did you say? I had to take my headphones <laughs> off to show you my haircut. <laughs> well, I guess you'll find out later. Uh, hi, Arthur. Good. Arthur's here. Hello, Arthur. He's participating the a show. lot recently. Not sure how I feel about it. Spring is not here, mm. and she never participates. What's it like? Incredible. Except today we went on a walk, and then it was raining, and she was like, I don't want to walk. So we just, she peed and she pooped, and we brought her home, mm. and then we went on a walk mm. and we came back and she had gotten a yarn ball and it was all over oh, the living room no. <laughs> it's really charming and cute because she's a dog but she's also part cat mm-hmm. um but she didn't destroy any property so that was good <laughs> it was just an, un- an unraveled <laughs> she didn't commit arson yeah i mean it was just an unraveled yarn ball yeah fine. i mean destruction of property really is sort of the worst sin you can commit um it's true <laughs> Number one, mm-hmm. thou shalt not destroy property. Commit destruction of property. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so this is me, cute. Yep. Presumably. Our show where we talk about all the places that are in science intersect. I'm Lauren, and it's October second, and it's been a fucking ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Lee, and it's all also it. it's also October second for me. Um, I feel like we it's keep been- saying the date, knowing that these are gonna like, come out way later, <laughs> and trying to like carbon date ourselves yes (laughs) but also like if you ask me a month from now what happened on october 2nd i will not be able to tell you so i feel like we're not actually helping anyone no no it's true what happened on september 2nd oh god who knows what are we doing this week today we're talking about synthesizers Mm -hmm. allegedly allegedly and I had a really hard time focusing doing research for this. Because synthesizers so are just best. so cool and fun and distracting. I love that. I do love them. They are distracting. I, yes. I just listened to the Blade Runner soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I did. And also Kiss Bob Halloween. Uh-huh. Not for the synthesizer, but because I wanted to get into the spooky mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's spooky. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. um, where were we? Synthesizers. Yeah. So yes, I had a hard time focusing, not because it wasn't interesting, uh, just because how they work is very difficult to understand, and my tiny brain can only handle so much information in one day. I feel like I was at capacity before I had started my research. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) sound is basically a series of sine waves that have been altered or added and subtracted from each other to make one coherent overarching sound. Mm Mm-hmm. These waves have frequencies to them, so like how far apart the peaks of the waves are, 
but it's not necessarily just characterized by that frequency it's also like characterized by its amplitude um how different waves kind of stack on each other to make the sound uh so there's a set of parameters known as the timber Mm, by kesha and these are things like (laughs) and pitbull Uh, these are things like frequency amplitude uh and how the amplitudes change over time how the sound degrades over time um creates this factor of of sound called the timber and computers people someone uses a method of mathematical analysis known as the fourier analysis to determine the exact parameters of a sound over time so fourier analysis I remember doing it in college, but I don't remember liking it because it seemed dumb and I didn't understand it. And I still don't understand it. Sure. Um, It takes general functions or sets and transforms them into sums of easier to understand trigonometry functions. Oh, good. Um, Easier to understand trigonometry functions. Exactly. (laughs) It's more complicated before it's trigonometry functions. It is. It is. Um, so that's the gist of Fourier analysis. I tried to have a discussion with Brian about what's the point of Fourier analysis, uh, but it was confusing and stressful, so that is what I will say on those. I mean, the point is that you got to analyze those Fourier's. Fourier, yes. They're, it's named after a guy. No, they're unanalyzed, and they have to... You got to analyze them. Um, so yes. So Fourier analysis is how they kind of transfer them to mathematically understand them. Um, just because it's like huge sets of things that we don't understand, and then you can transform them into triangles that you do understand. Sure, it's easy. It's math. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so synthesizers work using a couple different methods of synthesis. Um, I'm only going to talk about a couple of them. That's fine. One of them we talked about FM synthesis. On- Good. I'm glad we did because. What, I was trying to remember. What episode was that? Why was that relevant? Fibonacci? Yes. Yeah. We, Did you talk about it in Fibonacci? We, ta- we talked about FM synthesis in uh, we, when we were talking about the golden ratio. Oh. Because there's the guy who... Well, I'm glad we did. ...wrote a song. Who, the guy who invented FM synthesis, or the guy who discovered FM synthesis, mm-hmm. used it to write a song in using the golden ratio. So That's, that's right. And you sent it to me. Mm-hmm. Learn more yes. at, at an earlier episode of this podcast. Good. Because the only things I had written for that was that it was create sound by modulating the frequency of one waveform with the frequency of another. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Glad we covered that one. Yeah. Check. Yep. Ta-dee. I'm going to talk about additive and subtractive synthesis as the other two that I had uh, looked into. Yes. So added, additive synthesis is basically just like adding the sine waves together. So it, it exploits the fact that you can build sound or timber from the ground up by adding the pure frequencies. I have this cool little graphic. It's basically like four different little pots, each representing a different sine wave, mm-hmm. coming together into this larger bowl. And coming out of that is your waveform. So it takes into account the frequency and the amplitude inputs. And then the output is the waveform or the periodic function that's the result. Mm-hmm. Um, so mathematically, this is actually kind of interesting because if you're just looking at it, you're like, oh my God, you can have infinite numbers of frequencies and infinite numbers of, maybe not of, of amplitudes, but infinite numbers of different modulations that you can have 
for each of these sine waves, how do I solve this mathematical function when something is infinite, when part of it is infinite? But once you like look at it and you take into account that frequencies outside of human range, you can just kind of disregard and omit. It gives you bounds to the set and to the function. Right. Um, so it allows you to solve that that function, which I thought was pretty cool. Right. I mean, not for like my album that I'm writing for dogs. No, exactly. But but then you can bound but, it by I mean, how for what like, dogs here for like your basic. Sh- like yeah i guess that works for your blade runner sound or like whatever yeah evangelist who who cares <laughs> who cares? but like whatever i write songs for dogs um the wikipedia article i was reading on additive synthesis did not have much about like the actual process is a lot more about mathematically how it works Mm-hmm. which is cool and interesting um but it doesn't seem like it's something that people talk about a lot mathematic or about tactfully i guess like how do you actually apply this to synthesize something right uh it's just stuff that happens kind of in the background yeah yeah i mean essentially so like a, the synthesis is just com- like sounds that computers make it's just computer generated right. audio but mm-hmm. like it's that it, it started in the 60s, so it was so much more, like, complicated than that because computers were not as intuitive, basically. Yes, yes. It was computers a lot, couldn't just talk to you. Like yeah, you know. it was a lot more engineering and math stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway. So it seems to be the more popular version is subtractive synthesis which uses oscillators to create waveforms mostly by changing or removing or boosting frequencies within the sound mm-hmm. um, so that when you're kind of starting with a finished timber or whatever and you're taking out the pieces you don't want amplifying the pieces you do want mm-hmm. um, rather than stacking from the ground up yeah um so the article talked about a, a good analog for subtracted syn- synthesis is the human voice um, so when someone speaks their voice, but uh, Jesus, <laughs> when someone speaks, when someone not speaks, not me, because I, because I can simply cannot, mm-hmm. simply cannot. <laughs> when someone speaks, their voice box acts as an oscillator, and their mouth and throat acts as a filter. Some more than others. <laughs> Some more than others. That is correct. Mm-hmm. So the difference between saying ooh and ah at the same tone comes from filtering within your mouth. The ah retains most of the original harmonics produced in your voice box, whereas the ooh is filtered more heavily and some of the frequencies are removed. Uh, so this is most commonly associated with like old school synths of the 70s and 80s. Harmonics of simple waveforms such as sawtooth, pulse, square mm-hmm. are attenuated with a voltage control res- resonant. The big three. Um, they're attenuated with a voltage-controlled resonant low-pass filter to give you your um, your sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a really cool section in Wikipedia on subtractive synthesis that like shows the process, um, and and you can click on links and it'll play the sound throughout the process. So if you want to look that up, that would be pretty pretty good. Some good learning. 
yeah for some of us yeah i feel like we keep talking about things that are sort of like impossible to only discuss and yeah. we keep giving everyone homework but i think it's also yes, i don't know this like, is your homework yeah so it's pretty cool i mean i like the music that comes out of it yeah don't like the fourier that's in it but you know mm. stuff happens it does. that's what i've learned today thank you for coming to lauren's synth corner <laughs> lauren's synth corner i love it okay. um so it's been a hard week for all of us here, thank you here at meet yes. cute and in i the studio in the studio and i want to talk about synth pop please so to talk about synth pop we have to talk about new wave and to talk yes. about new wave we have to talk mm. about punk old wave okay Oh my god. And I do have a punk IPA here, which is not particularly <laughs> punk of me, but I'm going to enjoy it. That's good. I've got this really good um it's called Two Chicks Whiskey Spicy Ginger and Orange Cocktail, Sparkling New Fashion. Mm. Whiskey with natural flavors and caramel color. I, you know, I love the Spice Girls. <laughs> with my the two whiskey Spice Chicks whiskey spicy orange <laughs> cocktail mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty good actually i like them a lot nice I, I had another one earlier this evening and i did spill half of it all over the coffee table Ooh, happens to the best so that was of us. sad yeah r.i.p i was just excited i would say pour one out but i think there's been enough of that i did um so let's talk about Let's talk about punk. Please. Start there. Now, I am much less well-versed in the intricacies of 80s punk than I am of 90s punk. Uh, So I can only really Mm. give the big overview, but it's really, it's all you need. Um, The root of punk as a counterculture and by extension as a musical genre is anarchy, which is why a lot of old school punks are not big fans of the commodification of punk. Uh, the distillation and commercialization of punk, manic panic hair dye, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, punk is an anti-consumerist, anti-establishment counterculture. And if you don't buy into its ethos, I sort of understand why you would find the music unlistenable. Uh, and I I love punk. I say this as someone who enjoys some of the least listenable punk out there. If you think <laughs> punk is unlistenable, it's because you're supposed to. It's not being made yes. for you. It's music that exists intentionally outside of capitalism. Its purpose is not to be marketable. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that all marketable music is capitalist, but it is complicit in capitalism in a way that punk actively works not to be. Yes. Can you give me an example? Can I give you an example? Like, like, like an amuse-bouche. Of, of punk? I yes. I told you, I can't do 80s punk. I can do 90s punk. I can tell you all uh, about I'm the King Missile song, Take Stuff From Work. Uh, which is just a long list of things that you can take from your job. I love that. <laughs> like filing okay. cabinets and folders and memo pads. Take them from work. Inspired. Thank you. I will send my regards to, what's his name? John. McCain. John McCain, the lead singer of King Missile. <laughs> That's a joke for no one. So a joke for literally no one. Okay, next. So, New Wave, 
is a subgenre or really more of an offshoot of punk that rose to popularity in the 80s. And it really capitalized on the aspects of punk that were fun. It fully embraced camp and absurdism without losing that anti-establishment edge. And New Wave is fascinating to me because it's not so much a musical genre as it is like a vibe. And what I mean is it's such a wide umbrella for a relatively small group of artists. Mm -hmm. The label New Wave gets slapped on the Talking Heads and the B-52s and Devo and Blondie and NXS. And sonically, these guys are all over the place. But Mm -hmm. there's an experimental, absurdist, anti-establishment aspect to their work and their respective personas, even when, in some cases, the only machine they're raging against is just pop music. Mm -hmm. And so with all of this in mind, the anarchic roots of punk, the absurdist flair of new wave, and a wide range of actual musical styles, we arrive at synth pop. Synth pop is all of these things, but with synths. Love it. And it's less a subgenre of new wave than it is a cousin. And there really is a lot of overlap. And mm-hmm. if you spend any time listening to synth pop, it very quickly becomes obvious how ridiculous it is to define a whole musical genre just by a single instrument. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that that mistake becomes clear at a certain point in the rise of synth pop. But yeah. early synth pop, when folks are really experimenting with electronic music, um, it's generally a little bit more cerebral. It's got like retro futury outer space type vibes. And Mm -hmm. we're going to start in 1974 with Kraftwerk, a German group with pretty major Devo vibes, both like visually with the matching outfits and the plastic hair pieces and sonically too. And it's maybe unfair Mm -hmm. of me to say that because they were doing it a couple years before Devo. Uh, And I don't know as much about Kraftwerk, I'll be perfectly honest, but it feels Mm -hmm. subversive in like a different way. Than when Devo did it. I mean, it's definitely subversive. Mm-hmm. You don't put on a plastic wig because you think it's sexy. Like you do it to make some kind of statement. It's a very conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But their vibe is a lot more like the Beach Boys of the future than the slow and inevitable decline of civilization. And Kraftwerk had a lot of success in Europe. But Devo's success with experimenting with electronic music in the late 70s, along with David Bowie and Brian Eno around the same time, helped bring synth vibes to the U.S. market. And more importantly, to bridge the divide between synths and punk rock. Mm. And synths make perfect sense within the context of punk. And that's not immediately clear now, like, looking back because you think of synths in 80s music you're probably thinking like neon and leg warmers and bubblegum pop but synths Mm -hmm. very importantly especially in the early years are diy and they're very experimental you can do anything Mm -hmm. with them and as computers get better and synthesizers get more popular what happens is in the early 80s you get midi 
MIDI or Musical Instrument Digital Interface. And this is everywhere now. Like you have interacted with this in your lifetime. If you have ever used an electronic keyboard with like different sampled sounds, you have used a MIDI keyboard. That's what that is. And Mm -hmm. that's not really an explanation of what MIDI is. It's been a long time since I was music people. I'm not as good as explaining it as I could be. Um, Mm -hmm. But essentially all you need to know is that this makes electronic music and synths a lot more accessible which is why they expand out past the edges of this small experimental sphere and enter the mainstream. And this is where the edges get a little blurry. Because remember, we're talking about punk and DIY and experimentation Mm -hmm. and new wave, but now it's the 80s, and we have this genre that we've defined by a single instrument that (laughs) all of a sudden, everyone is using. And so when we think about 80s synth pop specifically... How does it stand out? And when I was writing the outline for this, I wrote two things here in all caps, and they were <laughs> CAMP and subverting <laughs> gender norms. Yes! And this is... Yes! Why, yes. And this is why synth pop, all synth pop, is rooted in punk. Not just Devo, not just Brian Eno, not just like the groups that are like objectively and like loudly anti-establishment but the eurythmics Uh and gary newman and tears for fears there's all these Mm -hmm. degrees of separation by this point all of these sort of divergent evolutions from a single counterculture and these things are all happening simultaneously remember it's not like punk came Mm -hmm. first and then turned into new wave turned into synth pop everything i've talked about happened within a span of about 15 years from Kraftwerk releasing Mm -hmm. Audubon and the emergence of punk in the mid-1970s to Devo's first studio album in 1978 to MIDI and MTV being launched in 1981. I haven't even mentioned the Buggles. To Sweet Dreams Are Made of This in 1983 and Take On Me in 1984 for all of it to fall back out of the mainstream and give way Mm -hmm. to grunge in the 1990s. And it makes sense. The synth sound Mm -hmm. had dominated popular culture for a decade, and where synth pop is all clean lines and asymmetrical haircuts and androgyny, grunge is not. It is the absolute opposite of all of those things that sort of Mm -hmm. defined the image of the synth sound. But that doesn't mean that everything is over for synth pop. Into the 2000s, synthpop carved out a nice little niche for itself in both the indie and mainstream worlds. Uh, the Postal Service, LaRue, I could say Grimes, but I don't want to, uh, Churches. Please don't. Please don't. And most recently, <laughs> Global Sensation, Think About Things by Dolly Frere. So it's yes! alive and well. <laughs> Thank you to our synthpop queen. She's a spy. For the music yes. that we use at the beginning and end of our show. It's very good. I like her very much. If you like her very much, you can find her on Spotify by searching She's a Spy. You can find us online at meetcutest.com and also on Twitter and Instagram at meetcutest. And if you enjoyed the time you spent with us today learning about synthesizers, you can follow and subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also leave a rating or a review for the show on iTunes or like wherever else you are. It, I, You know, whatever. Thanks. All right. Oh. What else do we have to say about synthesizers? I don't know. This is, I'm or very feelings. excited about all this music now. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Maybe we should make List a Spotify it. playlist to come out with this episode. Yes. 
Oh, we could do that next. Okay. Yes. Let's do it. I feel like you carried the team on this one, but, you know, that's okay. No, I don't know. I just know a lot about synth pop. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it probably doesn't okay. probably doesn't say anything about me as a person. It's true. Well, we'll be right just back sometime. We'll be right just back sometime. Okay, thanks. See you in the new year. I'm going to say that one. <laughs> I feel like that's a a good bet to, Uh to hedge there. See you in the new year. Goodbye.